Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. We're taking a step back at the big picture for how restaurants have been affected by COVID-19. We're taking a look at a white paper that studied how restaurants have been affected and also evaluates specific mitigating strategies. Really interesting that perhaps restaurants can use to move ahead. Arif Ziaudin is the founder and CEO of Chope, joining us live to discuss the white paper's findings. Good morning, Arif. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Your white paper was released last week. Does it include updated statistics? And can you perhaps in broad strokes share the findings of the pandemic's impact on this industry? Sure. Well, uh, it's been a very fast-moving time for our industry. As you can imagine, a lot of restaurants have gone very quickly uh, from, you know, business as usual to safe distancing measures to uh, complete, um, uh, you know, takeout uh, rules uh, as of Tuesday. So so the statistics are changing uh, real time. And when we did this uh, study, which was uh, sort of over the, the, the period of early March, already uh, 93% of restaurants were facing a uh, decline in revenue, right? So they were seeing uh, lower sales than they were before. And I guarantee you with the, with the stricter rules, that number can only go up is probably 100% now unless you were a solely takeaway restaurant. Right. Um, and, you know, 78% of the restaurants that we spoke to were not prepared for this uh, impact uh, to last more than six months, which is, you know, alarming because uh, restaurants tend to be, uh, you know, cash businesses. They tend to, to not have a lot of uh, very, very big balance sheet and savings to, to last out. And then they have very high fixed costs, right? So what uh, we heard from 80% of the restaurants was that they were reducing staff as a cost-cutting measure, which is very unfortunate, very sad. Um, And again, I think with measures getting stricter and business uh, getting more uh, difficult, I I think that number can only go up. Does the white paper give us a sense of who's hurting more than others? Uh, Are some cuisines more affected than others, for example? Yeah, absolutely. Again, this is, you know, uh, the rules have been implemented equally now. So all restaurants are not allowed to do dining in uh, anymore. Uh, But I think you can think of this as sort of a long term view of how different cuisines will be affected um, Mm. during COVID-19. Obviously, this this situation will continue long after the, you know, any lockdown is is, uh, opened up. And uh, what we were seeing was that Certain cuisine types uh, were suffering more. For example, Chinese food was really, you know, the first cuisine type or type of restaurant to be hit. And it didn't really have anything to do with, with a, a, you know, a logical reason. It was really the psychological uh, uh, association with the fact that in, in the beginning of this pandemic, the virus was coming out of China. And so there was a sort of an association in people's minds that, you know, hey, uh, right. maybe eating Chinese was a little bit more dangerous. Mm. On the flip side, there were some cuisine categories or restaurant types that were benefiting from it. Mm. Um, this is, for example, um, alfresco restaurants and casual cafes. You'll remember that it was a large contingent of people who were working from home um, for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, they, they get cabin fever and they need to go out. And where are they going to go? They're going to go to pe- places which are nearby, casual, they can sit down and work for a while, but they also want to have fresh air, right? They don't want to be so cramped up in a tiny environment. So our fresco spaces started to benefit from that. It was a really interesting change in behavior in dining. Is the virus showing in greater relief the real pain points that the F&B industry has been enduring? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the I think on the cost side, you know, there has just been a huge amount of discussion in um, in restaurants about how to continue paying landlords and rent. Um, and the government, uh, thankfully, has I think mandated that that some of the they've given a very generous set of uh, of rebates to landlords and mandated that those. Uh, those rebates get get given down to the the tenants, and so that will definitely help the restaurants in many ways. But I, I think for to to see you know that restaurants can't even survive a couple of months because the rentals are so high without you know when revenue gets goes to zero, they continue they just cannot continue to pay those rentals. Mm. And I think a lot of them are asking the question of should the rentals that we pay landlords be linked to the performance of the restaurants, you know, something like 15% of our sales. And when times are good, sure, landlords can make more, but when times are bad, they also, you know, they suffer along with us. Uh, I think that has been one big, big part. The other part is about uh, labor, right? So, you know, with the, the, the border to Malaysia closing, many restaurants have had to change their working hours because they just don't have the amount of, um, of manpower to serve uh, uh, people anymore. And um, they've also had to, you know, force force themselves to change operations drastically uh, as a result. And, you know, just the, the fact that the question of how much can we rely on uh, on on help from Malaysia and, and people coming over from there um, for the long term. All right. And speaking of, you know, drastic restructuring of the business, what are some of the key findings from your survey you think that can best help businesses who are affected by the circuit breaker measures now? It's dine out only. Yeah. So I think the most obvious one um, would be that restaurants have to be agile and they have to think about serving a much larger takeout and delivery market that exists today, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, many restaurants that we work with are in the sort of higher end fine dining segment, right? You, right. you know, the, the Michelin stars and the, the, the Asia's top fifty. And in the in a normal circumstance, they wouldn't dream of working with takeout and delivery because that just you know it makes it, the the quality of the experience and the food so different than the, they want it. But th- these are not normal times, mm. and so they have to be agile about adapting the the service standards. The, um, the, the food that they serve, you know, you can no longer do small dishes plated well. You have to kind of veer towards larger family-style comfort food. And, and you know, that, that's the only market that you can have right now. And similarly for Chobe, you know, we, we've also, we've focused so much on the dining market for so long that now we're starting to really put effort into more on takeout and the delivery side. I wonder, um, in this context as well, where we're talking about takeout only, uh, does the paper point at revenue driving measures that seem to work best for struggling restaurants? Yeah, sure. So, so you know, the the other side of the equation here is that while restaurants are really, really hurting, uh, the people who dine at restaurants are also, you know, trying to be more financially prudent as well, right? So, so what we're seeing is an increased sort of... Um, uh, you know, sensitivity to pricing and deals. And uh, around the time that uh, the all the social distancing stuff was happening and people were still dining out, um, one of the things that we really saw surge was off-peak deals. Um, and again, you know, that, that isn't maybe so applicable nowadays when everyone is stuck at home 24-7. But, um, but suddenly when, when people start going out again, one of the things that we'll want um, to, to happen at restaurants and coffee shops is 
for people to space themselves out throughout the day, right? Not just physically one meter, but also to eat out at off-peak times at three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. And really what we see is effective to drive that behavior is to offer special discounts so that people, um, special deals so that people eat at these off-peak hours a little bit different from their usual habits, but it's, it's safer for them, right? It's safer for, for everyone uh, if we can spread that load out and also better business for the restaurants, which have fewer seats inside them. So that's one example. Um, and then I think uh, another example of that is um, is to also uh, work with, uh, you know, specific special events, right? So while uh, that isn't allowed right now, at a time when the market opens up again, you know, what we've seen is restaurants focusing on doing smaller group events. You, you're not going to be able to pack your restaurants the same way you used to anymore. So focus on small group events that, that are able to have a, a defined um, group of people that you can manage and you're locking in that revenue quick. And we, we see that the demand for that has also increased in during that period in March when there was social distancing um, and the restaurants were allowed to take dine-in. Speaking about a white paper put together by Chope with Arif Ziaudin, the founder and CEO of Chope. Arif, how has your business been impacted? Yeah, no, we are linked directly to the performance of these restaurants, right? And we mm. focus all always for years, we focus on uh, connecting diners to restaurants. And people go to those restaurants because not just for the nutrition, I think because of the, you know, they're looking for an experience as a bond and, and to hang out with friends. So, so that whole part of our business now is obviously tuned to zero. Um, and not just in Singapore, we are also in, um, in, in Thailand and Indonesia and Hong Kong and Shanghai. And everyone has had their own version of, of you know, this circuit breaker. Um, so, so, yeah, business obviously is, uh, is affected heavily as a result of that. But in the, in, it's caused us to actually be, uh, be very creative about what we can do. You know, we are a startup at heart. We were born here in Singapore um, uh, about eight years ago. And uh, we, we, at that time, online reservations didn't occur, uh, didn't, have, didn't exist. And, and we had to start uh, think about how to do it. And we're back in that mode, right? We're very much back in an aggressive startup mode. We are, we've recently started piloting with different restaurants on takeout um, and delivery options. So we're working with transport companies that right now have a lot of spare capacity like SMRT, you know, because people are t- just taking taxis a lot less. Mm. And, um, and so we're, pow- we're connecting the dots here, right? There are a lot of restaurants that are looking for takeout um, that are affordable and cheaper than, than some of the, you know, the, the larger platforms out there that are offering it. And then there are transport companies that are very vacant. And then there are a lot of people trapped in their homes and just looking for, uh, looking for, for they, they have a birthday, you know, and it's kind of, they want to celebrate as much as they can given the situation. So they order something nice. So we put those three together and we're seeing, you know, promising take up. And I think we'll continue to, over the coming weeks, see that evolve and, and we'll be pushing that very hard for our business. So are you morphing um, into a delivery yeah. service then? I don't think it's a morph. You know, the way I think about it is it's an additional business that has longevity. I believe that well, I, it's not even I believe. I can factually assure everyone <laughs> listening that COVID will end, right? And one day when, when that happens, people will go out in even uh, you know, stronger numbers than they were. There's so much pent-up demand, right? People will want to celebrate and go out and hang out and hug their friends and all that stuff that we love doing. And when that happens, of course, Chope will be there to help make that happen, right? We'll be there to help you with the reservations, tell you where the restaurants were open and all that stuff and and. I think that will be a great day. At the at this moment, 
that's not possible. So what we have to do is we have to add additional revenue streams, um, which are uh, ones that the government allows us to do, uh, takeout and delivery. So, so for example, um, you know, the delivery service, yes, is one thing that we're adding. Then mm-hmm. on the takeout side, for example, you know, there are many food kiosks that are still available, Bubble Tea, Froyo. These are places that rely on you to, to you know, your business and, and they're still staffing and they're still open. So we're also doing tons of takeout deals that, you know, if you if you want to, if you are going out to the supermarket and you can also um, pop by and get something quickly. Now we encourage people not to, you know, hang out there and, and, and be at home as much as you can. But you, you know, buying this stuff and taking out and bringing it home is a part of the part of the service that we provide now. Very interesting. Thank you very much for joining us and sharing how Chope itself is evolving as well. Arif Ziaudin, the founder and CEO of Chope, helping us understand a white paper that it put out, co-authored by Professor Cheryl E. Kimes, an emeritus professor of operations management at Cornell and visiting professor at NUS. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.